Section 14 of The Pagan Madonna by Harold McGrath. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Don W. Jenkins. Chapter 14 Jane gazed through the doorway at the sea. There was apparently no horizon, no telling where the sea ended and the faded blue of the sky began. There was something about this sea she did not like. She was north-born. It seemed to her that there was really less to fear from the Atlantic fury than from these oily, ingratiating, rolling mounds. They were the Uriah Heap of waters. She knew how terrible they could be, far more terrible than the fiercest nor'easter down the Atlantic. Typhoon! How could a yacht live through a hurricane? She turned again toward Cunningham. "'You are like that,' she said irrelevantly. "'Like what?' "'Like the sea.' Cunningham rose and peered under the half-drawn blind. "'That may be complimentary, but hanged if I know. Smooth? Is that what you mean?' "'Kind of terrible.' He sat down again. "'That rather cuts. I might be terrible. I don't know. Never met the occasion. But I do know that I'm not treacherous. You certainly are not afraid of me.' "'I don't exactly know. It's—it's it's too peaceful.' "'To last?' i see but it isn't as though i were forcing you to go through with the real voyage only a few days more and you'll have seen the last of me i hope so he chuckled what i meant was she corrected that nothing might happen nobody get hurt human beings can plan only so far that's true enough every program is subject to immediate change but lord what a lot of programs go through per schedule still you are right it all happens upon chance we say a thing is cut and dried, but we can't prove it. But so far as I can see into the future, nothing is going to happen. Nobody is going to walk the plank. Piracy on a basis of 2.75%. The kick gone out of it. But if you can bring about the reconciliation of the clays, the old boy will not be so keen for chasing me all over the map when this job is done. Will you tell me what those beads are? To be sure, I will, all in due time. What does clay call them? love beads scornfully on my solemn word that's exactly what they are very well but remember you promised to tell me when the time comes that and other surprising things i'll be going come up as often as you like cunningham accompanied her to the bridge ladder and remained until she was speeding along the deck then he returned to his chart but the chart was no longer able to hold his attention so he leveled his gaze upon the swinging horizon and kept it there for a time odd fancy picturing the girl on the bridge in a hurricane her hair streaming out behind her her fine body leaning on the wind a shadow in the doorway broke in upon his musing clay come in and sit down invited cunningham but clay ignored the invitation and stepped over to the steersman has miss norman been in here yes sir how long was she here i don't know sir perhaps half an hour clay stalked to the door but there he turned and for the first time since cunningham had taken the yacht clay looked directly with grim intentness into his enemy's eyes battle murder and sudden death cunningham laughed you don't have to tell me clay i can see it in your eyes if miss norman wants to come here and ask questions i'm the last man to prevent her clay thumped down the ladder cunningham was right there was murder in his heart he hurried into the main salon, and there he found Jane and Dennison conversing. "'Miss Norman, despite my warning, you went up to the chart-house.' "'I had some questions to ask.' 
i forbid you emphatically i am responsible for you i am no longer your prisoner mr clay i am mr cunningham's you went up there alone demanded dennison why not i'm not afraid he will not break his word to me damn him roared dennison where are you going she cried seizing him by the sleeve to have it out with him i can't stand this any longer and what will become of me if anything happens to you or anything happens to him what about the crew if he isn't on hand to hold them the muscular tenseness of the arm she held relaxed but the look he gave his father was on a par with that which clay had so recently spent upon cunningham clay could not support it and turned his head aside all right but mind you keep in sight if you will insist upon talking with the scoundrel at least permit me to be within call what do you want to talk to him for anyhow neither of you will stoop to ask him questions so i had to and i have learned one thing he is going pearl hunting what off the catwick there is no pearl oyster in that region dennison declared either he is lying or the catwick is a blind the only chance he'd have would be somewhere in the sulu archipelago and this time of year the pearl fleets will be as thick as flies in molasses of course if he is aware of some deserted atoll why there might be something in it have you ever hunted pearls in a second-hand sort of way but if pearls are his game why commit piracy when he could have chartered a tramp to carry his crew there's more than one old bucket hereabouts ready to his hand for coal and stores he'll need a shoe-spoon to get inside or buy the sulu fleets since the oyster has been pretty well neglected these five years and every official pearler will be hiking down there but it requires a certain amount of capital and a stack of officially stamped paper and i don't fancy cunningham has either clay smiled dryly but offered no comment he knew all about cunningham's capital did he say anything about being picked up by another boat asked dennison no answered jane but i don't believe it will be hard for me to make him tell me that i believe that he will keep his word too jane he has broken the law of the sea i don't know what the penalty is these days but he used to be hanging to the yard-arm he won't be particular about his word if by breaking it he can save his skin he's been blarneying you you've let his plausible tongue and handsome face befog you that is not true she flared afterward she wondered what caused the flash of perversity and i resent your interference she added with uplifted chin dennison whirled her about savagely stared into her eyes then walked into the companion up which he disappeared this rudeness astonished her profoundly she appealed silently to the father we are riding a volcano said clay i am not sure but he's setting some trap for you he may need you as a witness for the defence of course i can't control your actions but it would relieve me immensely if you'd give him a wide berth he was not the one who brought me aboard no and the more i look at it the more i am convinced that you came on board of your own volition you had two or three good opportunities to call for assistance you believe that i've as much right to believe that as you have that cunningham will keep his word oh she cried but it was an outburst of anger and it had a peculiar twist too she was furious because both the father and son were partly correct and yet there was no diminution of that trust she was putting in cunningham next you'll be hinting that i'm in collusion with him no only he is an extraordinarily fascinating rogue and you are wearing the tinted goggles of romance fearing that she might utter something regrettable she flew down the port passage and entered her cabin where she remained until dinner she spent the intervening hours endeavouring to analyse the cause of her temper but the cause was as elusive as quicksilver 
Why should she trust Cunningham? What was the basis of this trust? He had, as Denny said, broken the law of the sea. Was there a bit of black sheep in her, and was the man calling to it? And this perversity of hers might create an estrangement between her and Denny. She must not let that happen. The singular beauty of the man's face, his amazing career, and his pathetic deformity. Was that it? "'Where's the captain?' asked Cunningham, curiously, as he noted the vacant chair at the table at the right. "'On deck, I suppose.' "'Isn't he dining to-night?' an accent of suspicion creeping into his voice. "'He isn't contemplating making a fool of himself, is he? He'll get hurt if he approaches the wireless.' "'Togo,' broke in Clay, "'bring the avocats and the pineapple.' Cunningham turned upon him with a laugh. "'Clay, when I spin this yarn some day I'll carry you through it as the man who never batted an eye. I can see now how you must have bluffed Wall Street out of its boots.' When Cunningham saw that Jane was distrait, he made no attempt to pull her out of it. He ate his dinner, commenting only occasionally. Still he bade her a cheery good-night as he returned to the chart-house, where he stayed continually, never quite certain what old Captain Newton might do to the wheel and the compass if left alone too long. Dennison came in immediately after Cunningham's departure, and contritely apologized to Jane for his rudeness. "'I suppose I'm on the rack. Nerves all raw, tearing me to pieces to sit down and twiddle my thumbs. Will you forgive me?' "'Of course I will.' I understand. You are all anxious about me. Theoretically, this yacht is a volcano, and you're trying to keep me from kicking off the lid. But I've an idea that the lid will stay on tightly if we make believe we are Mr. Cunningham's guests. But it is almost impossible to suspect that anything is wrong. Whenever a member of the crew comes in sight, he is properly polite, just as he would be on a liner. If I do go to the bridge again, I'll give you warning. Good night, Mr. Clay. I'll read to you in the morning." "'Good-night, Denny.' Clay, sighing contentedly, dipped his fingers into the finger-bowl and brushed his lips. The son drank a cup of coffee hastily, lit his pipe, and went on deck. He proceeded directly to the chart-house. "'Cunningham, I'll swallow my pride and ask her a favor of you.' "'Ah!' in a neutral tone. "'The cook tells me that all the wine and liquor are in dry stores compartment. Will you open it and let me chuck the stuff overboard?' Now, said Cunningham promptly, when I turn this yacht back to your father, not a single guy-rope will be out of order. It would be a fine piece of work to throw all those rare vintages over the rails simply to appease an unsubstantial fear on your part. No. But if the men should break in, and it would be easy, because it's nearer them than us. Thank your father for building the deck like a city flat. But if the boys should break in, there's the answer, said Cunningham, laying his regulation revolver on the chart-table and every mother's son of them knows it. You refuse? Yes. All right, but if anything happens I'll be on top of you, and all the bullets in that clip won't stop me. Captain, you bore me. Your father and the girl are good sports. You ought to be one. I've given you the freedom of the yacht for the girl's sake, when caution bids me dump you into the brig. I begin to suspect that your misfortunes are due to a violent temper. Run along with your thunder. I don't want you hurt." if i come through this alive you'll join your dad peeling off my hide if you can catch me it was with the greatest effort that dennison crushed down the desire to leap upon his tormentor he stood tense for a moment then stepped out upon the bridge his fury was suffocating him and he realized that he was utterly helpless ten minutes later the crew in their quarters were astonished to see the old man's son enter none of them stirred I say, any of you chaps got an extra suit of twill? This uniform is getting too thick for this latitude. I'm fair melting down to the bone. 
sure bellowed a young giant swinging out of his bunk he rummaged round for a space and brought forth a lightweight khaki shirt and a pair of ducks guess these'll fit you sir thanks navy stores yes sir you're welcome dennison's glance travelled from face to face and he had to admit that there was none of the criminal type there they might carry through decently nevertheless hereafter he would sleep on the lounge in the main salon if any tried to force the dry store's door he would be likely to hear it at eleven o'clock the following morning there occurred an episode which considerably dampened jane's romantical point of view regarding this remarkable voyage clay had gone below for some illuminated manuscripts and dennison was out of sight for the moment she leaned over the rail and watched the flying fish suddenly out of nowhere came the odor of whisky you ought to take a trip up to the cutwater at night and see the flying fish in the phosphorescence she did not stir instinctively she knew who the owner of this voice would be the man cunningham called flint a minute an unbearable minute passed oh too haughty to be a good fellow huh footsteps a rush of wind a scuffling and an oath brought her head about she saw flint go balancing and stumbling backwards finally to sprawl on his hands and knees and following him in an unmistakable attitude was dennison jane was beginning to understand these clays their rage was terrible because it was always cold denny she called but dennison continued on toward flint end of chapter fourteen read by don w jenkins rancho san diego california shaggybark.blogspot.com